Don't you love that? Behold, I make all things new. Isn't that just a wonderful statement made in the scripture by God? What a beautiful, beautiful thought as we head into 2019 officially. Happy New Year. We were saying Happy New Year last year. I like these years where there's Sundays kind of close to the end of the year, and then this is like the official first Sunday of 2019. So uh, good things. Uh, we just speak over one another and receive from God, right? It's going to be a lot of good things in our lives. Um, you know, there's a lot of great things that go on around here, and one of our challenges is to try to keep you guys updated on uh, all of the good things, and that's really pretty much impossible. That's one of the reasons why we're working on the website is to get you more information uh, that would be encouraging and helpful to you because you are involved in a lot of things that are just really powerful uh, that I don't think all of us uh, fully understand or, or wrap our arms around. So a couple times a year, uh, January and June, and we've been doing this now uh, for, uh, this is I think our third year, uh, we bring in, there's a group of leaders that comes in from all over the place. We've had people from, uh, we had a pastor from Poland in, a missionary from Poland, uh, and they come in for a week. We've had people from Canada. We have people from all over the United States, leaders, different, a lot of ministry leaders, a lot of helping professionals, and uh, they go through a training. And this week uh, is that week. Uh, we're heading into it. It'll start Tuesday, and we've got folks coming from all over the country. Uh, that's why Claire's actually not here. She's uh, remote, so everybody say hi to Claire. Hi, Claire. Hi, Claire. She is going to be doing a lot of teaching this week, so uh, just trying to get her ready for that. Um, anyway, so I know that uh, I have had a couple of people already said, you know, is Claire okay? She is great. Claire's doing great. It was her birthday yesterday. So yeah, that was, that was a lot of fun. Uh, I won't tell you how old she is, but she is a little bit above 39. A couple of people suggested that, but uh, we've kind of, she and I have given up on that 39 thing. But anyway... Um, yeah, so be praying for Claire, a lot of great things. And as I said, we've got folks coming. They come in for this training. God is doing a lot of fresh things through your church and through what we're putting our hands to. So these folks come in. They'll be trained all week in some of the things that we do around here. Um, and then uh, one of the things that we would ask for you guys to all do is pray for this week. Pray for these leaders. These are folks that have huge influence in a lot of different areas. So uh, literally, uh, the, the body of Christ is impacted very directly through what goes on this next week. But be praying for them. We have one pastor uh, just got a hold of us uh, yesterday, and she is from Pennsylvania, and she had to back out because of um, uh, uh, oral surgery that all of a sudden has come up. So there's these attacks that happen. We've got another pastor from the Chicago, inner city Chicago area uh, that uh, had a flare up of a problem uh, with her foot. And she's got, a, she's got some real serious things going on. And we just know that there's some direct attacks going on in people. So be praying for these folks that are traveling from all over the country. Be praying that they really receive what would be helpful, not only for them, but uh, also for the work that they're up to and the people that they communicate with. Also, if you guys could pray for the volunteers, we've got volunteers that help out all week and do just a lot of heavy lifting and wonderful things. And most of all, let's make sure that we're praying that God's kingdom comes, 
uh, and his will is done in all of us and through, through us and through each and every one of those leaders that come from all over the country. So why don't we do that right now? We're going to pray together. And um, I just want to encourage you this week as you're thinking about it, keep praying, pray, do a little bit. Those of you that are really used to some spiritual warfare, do some spiritual warfare prayer uh, for these leaders. And of course, there's leaders from our own church that will be taking this Uh, training this week. So Father, we thank you for uh, impact and for our lives uh, having purpose and having meaning and for our church having an impact on this world that is growing. Your kingdom is coming in us and through us in a larger way every literally every year. And as we enter into 2019 and we know that there's doors that are wide open, they have been flung wide open, there are, there are, There are new adventures that you're calling us to. We pray, God, for uh, your goodness to go forth through each one of us, the things we're putting our hands to directly, the things that we are involved in with ministry, the things that we corporately come together uh, and touch the earth with. We pray that your will would be done. And we do come against every attack on your work Uh, As it goes forth, we curse every work of the enemy, and we pray blessing on this week coming up. We pray safety on folks that are going to be traveling from all around the world, and we pray, God, that your goodness would be realized in every way and that it would just be ongoing. And we ask these things in the powerful, powerful name of Jesus, and everyone said, amen, amen. Awesome. Yeah, so just be praying when you think about it this week. If you guys uh, have your Bible, you can open it to 2 Kings chapter 6. I want to start out, uh, this month actually, we're going to be just talking about continuing in this whole thought of since this is a new year, I want to talk to you about some new things like a new you um, and some things that you and I are being invited to in 2019 and what that might uh, look like. So every week this month, we're just going to be talking about new things, just new things in your life, in mine, at Crossroads. Today, I want to talk to you about having a new view. I, I can think of few things that are probably more important than the way that you and I view our life, the way that we see it, and what we see, and what we at times choose to see and evaluate. Your view of life and my view of life is absolutely critical. So in 2 Kings chapter 6, if you don't have your Bible, you can read it uh, along with me. One time when the king of Aram was at war with Israel, after consulting with his officers, he said, at such and such a place, I want an ambush set. So this king, right, he's going to set an ambush for the Israelites. He wants to do them in. And then the scripture talking about Elisha here says, the holy man sent a message to the king of Israel. Watch out when you're passing this place because Aram has set an ambush there. So the king of Israel sent word concerning the place of which the holy man, I love that. This is the message version. I just love the story of it. But anyway, so the king of Israel sent word concerning the place of which the holy man had warned him. This kind of thing happened all the time. So the holy man, Elisha, right, he hears things, he sees things. God's giving him, he's usually, he's a prophet. God is giving him all kinds of insights, says this stuff's happening all the time. You can go ahead. The king of Aram was furious over all this. He called his officers together and said, tell me who is leaking information to the king of Israel. Sounds like our government. Who is the spy in our ranks? But one of his men said, no, my master, uh, dear king, it's not any of us. It's Elisha the prophet in Israel. 
He tells the king of Israel everything you say, even when you whisper it in your bedroom. That's kind of creepy. Anyway, the king said, go and find out where he is. I will send someone and capture him. The report came back. He is in Dothan. Then he dispatched horses and chariots, an impressive fighting force. So he sends out his army, right? This king has had it with Elisha. He's going to kill him so that it says they came by night and surrounded the city. So you got this enemy force is surrounding the city where Elisha is. It says early in the morning, a servant of the holy man, a servant of Elisha, got up and went out. Surprise! Horses and chariots are surrounding the city. So they are surrounded. There's just this humongous army, armed force surrounding them. This poor servant, the young man, he says, oh, master, what shall we do? And then Elisha says, don't worry about it. There are more on our side than on their side, right? So let's say that together. Don't worry about it. There are more on our side than on their side. (laughs) You ever been there before? It's like you had a friend or somebody. It's like they said, yeah, don't worry about it. You're like, really? Anyway, let's go ahead. So this kid's trying to understand. Then Elisha prayed, oh God, open his eyes and let him see. Open his eyes. Open our eyes, O God, and let us see. The eyes of the young man were opened, and he saw a wonder. The whole mountainside full of horses and chariots of fire surrounding Elisha. And then when the Arameans attacked, Elisha prayed to God, strike these people blind. And God struck them blind, just as Elisha said. Then Elisha called out to them, not that way, Not this city. Follow me, and I'll lead you to a man you're looking for. And he led them into Samaria. So we can stop there. So what happens is he leads them out. The king of Israel wants to now kill this group uh, that's been sent from Aram. And Elisha says, listen, we don't need to kill them. Let's feed them. Let's take care of them and send them on their way. And the scripture says that they never give the people of Israel, any grief after that. They have nothing to do with them because there's this profound moment that happens. But what I really want to focus on is this whole piece of Elisha seeing and then the servant seeing. The way that we view our life and the life we've been given is absolutely critical. So obviously, Elisha has a God-centered view. This is more than him just being a prophet. This is a person of faith who has a view and an understanding, just as the statement says, that there are more for us than against us, always. We all know, we tell each other this, we read about it, that God is always with us. But then we need to understand that not only is God always with us, but this scripture indicates that there is this warring group that is always with us. There is always the majority following you around. So how is it when you look at somebody like Elisha, how is it that you and I can get this God-centered view? I think the first thing that we need to do is we need to train our view. We can train our view. Do you know that when you came into the world, you and I came into the world, that um, we generally look at, we slant towards looking at things negatively. We, are, we don't even have to be trained to look at things negatively. That, it's, a, it's a part of the way that we are wired, uh, in, in the way that we are wired for survival. We look at ways to solve problems. We look at them negatively. 
And then converse to that, we, we understand or, or we should understand that faith is a perspective, it's a view. Being, looking at things as an opportunity. In other words, what Elisha does here is Elisha sees things as God sees them. And it's not just Elijah, not just Elisha, but it's throughout the scripture that Elisha looks for evidence of God's presence and evidence or not evidence of God's absence. So immediately what Elisha does in this situation as he's wiping the sleep from his eyes is where is God in this? He sees the same thing the servant sees. He sees the same thing the warring army sees, but he's able to see things as God sees them. Proverbs 11.27 says this, whoever diligently seeks good seeks favor, but evil comes to the one who searches for it. So if you diligently seek what is good, You'll, you'll seek favor. But evil comes to us when we look, when we search for it. So it's critical that we have a view of life, a view of our own life that is God-centered. That our eyes, in spite of the fact that we come into this world and, and uh, we live in a world that is supported constantly to see what is bad, what is negative, what is missing, that the invitation from God clearly throughout Scripture is to see where God is in every situation. It's one of the reasons why I think, um, you know, because we just naturally when I say we, just people, we're naturally trained in what is bad and negative. We can all complain, for instance, about like things like fake news or how politics, there's a lot of, there's a lot of this you know, stuff that it's like, I can't, I don't know what to believe in all this. And we, we feel like we're just going to quit it, but then we, people just keep going back to that stuff. The negativity, it's because we're naturally wired that way. If we aren't people that are looking at, at things through the same lens God would want to see things, this is what we gravitate towards. Whatever you and I are looking for is what we see. Whatever you and I are looking for. So the question for 2019 entering in for all of us, I think, is what are you looking for? As you enter into this year, are you looking for trouble? Are you looking for defeat? Are you looking for catastrophe to come your way? Or are you looking for God doing something powerful in your life? See, some of us, when we move into situations, we look for God's absence before we look for God's presence. Where isn't God in this? It can easily feel like we're forsaken. Imagine Elisha in this situation. Looking, it's what the servant did. He immediately, uh, in his inexperience, immediately started to think, where is God in all of this? Elisha immediately looks at, where is God in all of this? Greater is he than all of this. And there are more for me than against me. So you'll notice that Elisha's pray, his prayer is literally for the young servant's eyes to be open. Open to what? Open to God's presence. Open to the fact that God is with him, with them. See, when we pay attention, 
when we know that faith is a perspective, when we view things, when we train our view to look for God in the midst of no matter how difficult things get, we see God's presence and we get a confidence that God is with us. In Psalm 109, verse 17, it said, they also loved cursing, so it came to them. And he did not delight in blessing, so it was far from them. In other words, literally, we call things in by the way that we perceive our life, the way that we live into, the way that we view our life. We literally call things in. We can call in good things or bad things. You ever been around people? It's like they're always a bad weather report. It's like, it's like it could be a beautiful day like yesterday or the day before, and they're like schleprock when it comes to the weather report. It's like, well, it's beautiful today, but just wait around. It's going to get really bad here quick. It's like just enjoy the moment, the gift of this. You know it won't last. See, but Elisha shifts the definition of events and finds the opportunity in it. And this is the invitation for us. James puts it this way in talking about training your view. He says, consider or define all of it joy, my brethren. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind, consider it nothing but joy. Because you have that test, the testing of your faith it produces something. I love this about James. Let, it, it produces endurance and let endurance have its full effect so that you may mature and complete, be complete, lacking in nothing. James doesn't say there's not problems. James says you're going to face trials and there's going to be all kinds of things that are going to happen, but consider it nothing but joy because something good is going to be produced out of it in your life. Redefine the problem. Uh, back, uh, I guess it wasn't this last fall, but the fall before that, Sean and Kathleen and Claire and I, we went up to, um, took an RV up to see the colors uh, in the fall. And, uh, you know, the RV, every, every little while, the brake would seize up on it and Sean would pull the RV off to the side of the road and just bang on it, and it would loosen the caliper, and away we go. We would just keep going. Finally, it finally broke down. where We were paralyzed out in the middle of the U, uh, UP, and we, we looked at each other, and it's like, this is just an opportunity to be blessed. We're going to sit here, try to find someone to fix this RV in the middle of nowhere, which happened, but we had to sit there for a couple of days. It was an awesome couple of days. The repair shop loaned us their stinky SUV, and off we went. Now, you could go to those kinds of situations and not consider them joy and not consider it an opportunity and not view it as a God opportunity in your life. Define it as a defeat or define it as an opportunity for God to do something good for you. The Bible's full of that. It's full of examples David's a great example of viewing things like God views them. He comes up against a giant named Goliath. The armies of Israel are hiding out. They are literally hiding in spite of what he saw in the natural with the armies of Israel hiding because of the giant Goliath. David still calls the army of Israel the army of the living God because that's the truth. Even when they're hiding it's that same spirit that Elisha has that can say there's more for us than against us. This is the armies of the living God. 
It's David that has the courage to throw the stone at Goliath, and it's the first recorded splitting headache that happens in the Bible, and Goliath goes down face first. There's Joshua and Caleb. Twelve spies go into the promised land to check things out. They see giants all over the place. Ten come back and say, this is horrible. I can't believe that we came to this place just so we would die, Moses. Why did you do this to us? Caleb and Joshua are like, surely we need to enter in. Surely we can do it because God promised it to us. They view it as an opportunity. Surely we enter in. Then there's Gideon. Gideon is hiding as an Israelite, hiding in a wine press. He is, he is trying to hide food there so he can survive in the midst of the Midianites attacking the Israelites and stealing all of their food time and time again over years. And he has an encounter where he's called by, by an angel, a mighty man of valor, it's one of those moments where because his view was not filled with faith, I think initially when that was said, he was a mighty man of valor, he probably looked around like, who are you talking to? I've been hiding in a wine press. But his, his view of things begins to shift, and he begins to embrace the fact that God is with him. At one point, he's told to get up and attack the camp because it's been given to him. Mary's a beautiful example of this, Right? It's easy for us to sit back and say, oh, well, an angel showed up for her. But that in itself would make you view things in a skewed way. Then she's told that she knows that she's a virgin, but then she's told she's about to become pregnant. And her response to that, because her view opens up to the possibilities of God, is nothing is impossible with God. Let it be done according to your will in my life, according to your word. That's a view that is trained to see God. Even when she knows trouble's on the way for her, how could she explain what's about to happen? Last week, we talked about Nehemiah. Nehemiah leading the people into rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. At one point in Nehemiah chapter 2, Nehemiah says to the people as he gathers them up and gets ready to call them to rebuild the wall, he says, listen, this is the reality. We are in trouble. We are a disgrace. Come, let us rebuild the wall. It almost doesn't seem to fit in the same sentence, but it's in the same sentence. We're a disgrace, we're in trouble, but he has a view that has been trained to see God. Come, let us build the wall because we are in trouble. Things are tough. It is rough out here. We're a disgrace and we have been mocked. And then he says, oh, by the way, just so you know, God's hand is on me. I'm seeing it the way God sees it. The rubble is still there. The wall is still broken down. There are enemies at every front, but there are more for us than against us. There's more for you than against you as you enter into this year. Secondly, we need to cultivate our view, train our view, and then cultivate our view. We cultivate our view making, paying attention to gratitude to cultivate or to develop something, it's kind of an agricultural term. Life is like a garden, your life and mine. To have the view God desires for us, to receive what God has for us to receive, we need to be people that plant gratitude and pay attention and let gratitude grow in our lives and tend to gratitude. We need to cultivate our view. That's what Elisha says. He says, listen, there's more for us than against us. 
It's a view of gratitude. He's cultivating a view of gratitude, not only for himself, not only speaking to his own life, but speaking to the servant. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything give thanks. In all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Give thanks in all circumstances. Cultivate a view of gratitude in your life. Don't wait till you receive to be grateful. Don't wait till you win to be grateful. Don't wait to show kindness until you've been shown kindness. Thank God in advance. Cultivate gratitude. David, again, he's a pro at this. In Psalm 16, 6, as he's being chased down as a fugitive, attempted murder on his life, he's hiding from perhaps the most powerful person, King Saul, in the whole world. This is what David says. The boundary lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. The lines have fallen to me. What he was literally saying is the boundary lines. In other words, he said, listen, my life has some limitations right now, but it's a beautiful thing. Can you imagine this guy hiding out in the woods and in caves and on the run from somebody really extremely powerful that has armies at his command, chasing David down, and this is what he says, your lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. He goes on in Psalm 65, and he says this, How blessed is the one whom you choose and bring near to you to dwell in your courts. We will be satisfied with the goodness of your house, your holy temple. See, he had this deep gratitude. This was not written when he was in the temple. It was not written when he was in God's house. This was written when he was on the run. I have a view that God has given me of gratitude. You can have gratitude as a fugitive. You can have gratitude when you're hiding from powerful things. You can have gratitude when things are trying to take you out. You can have gratitude when you're falsely persecuted. He's grateful for his sustenance and his protection. Lines have fallen in pleasant places. My life, David understood, is like a garden, and I'm going to cultivate gratitude. I'm going to view my year. When I move into 2019, as I move into it, I am moving into it. And the encouragement for all of us is to move into it, viewing it like God views it, viewing our life like God is viewing our life. Cultivate your view. One of the primary ways we cultivate our view is in prayer, right? We pray, we pray. Many of us pray before we have a meal. It's just cultivating the view of gratitude. God, thank you for your provision in our life. Think it no small thing as you cultivate gratitude in your life. Practicing gratitude with our relationships, perhaps when we pray or we consider and meditate, thinking about the people that we have been blessed to be with and be around, maybe our family members, maybe our children, maybe our parents, maybe the people we're sitting by this morning. Think of it as no small thing, in other words, for perhaps when we say, okay, let's take a minute to bless one another and greet one another. 
There is much more in that than, than for those of us that are introverts going through a painful ex- exercise. It is an opportunity to say, I'm going to cultivate gratitude in my life. Gratitude for the people that I'm doing life with every Sunday and other times I'm coming. And we are, we are coming together to have the kingdom of God imparted in our own life and then to share that with others. We're just all beggars coming in here together, trying to find some scraps of food from the kingdom of God, and then trying to share that with others. Being thankful, perhaps, for our church. And, you know, it's, it's not a week goes by that I don't walk through here and pray over chairs or walk through a parking lot and say, God, bless every person that walks in here. This week, uh, upward starts. There will, be, there will be hundreds of people that will come in here that are not a part of Crossroads Church, or at least a couple hundred people. The children, adults, families are going to come in here. Bless them. Give thanks. When you're on your way to work, perhaps, while you're driving, thank God on the drive for the work that you have been created to do, the giftedness that you have. Pray for the people that you're working with, that they would encounter Jesus and come to salvation. Thank God for your housing, the roof over your head. Instead of looking at it like, oh, it should be more than it is, thank God that you've got this amazing place, apartment, whatever it might be that you're staying in. Your car, your transportation, your health. Always understand this, that no matter how hard things get for any of us, there's always someone sitting somewhere else that would love to trade their life for yours. Don't be the person that views it as I am overwhelmed with the difficulty, but be the person that cultivates your view of gratitude. It's interesting, isn't it? Because when things are good, we tend to take for granted the things in our life. Until there's a problem. Then it's like we're grabbing for all we're worth. What the scripture teaches us is live, cultivate this place so we can constantly be reaping a harvest of God's goodness, and lastly, enlarge your view. 2019, I just encourage all of us to enjoy the ride. This week, um, we got a lot of birthdays in our family around this time of year. Claire's was yesterday. Um, Our daughter-in-law's was several days ago, and one of our granddaughters, Adriana's, Hers is the second. So we went to a water park um, a couple days ago, and... um, Claire and I, so Adriana turned six, and Claire and I, we have, um, we have some friends of ours that years ago went through a really, really just horrific thing around a water ride um, at an amusement park. And as I was getting on this, it was like a giant inner tube kind of thing, had four seats. Adriana was getting on, Lorenzo, he's eight, he was getting on, Dante, 13, he's getting on, and I was getting on. And I had this, like, thing hit me. And it was like the, the memory of our friend's child going through the, what they went through in that family. And right away, I thought, you know, I'm like, okay, what do I have to do? And started to lock in on that. And then, as if God and his amazing grace floods in as I'm, you know, doing what I needed to do, as we're about to go down this tunnel, which is going to be pitch black, and I want to make sure that the six-year-old and the eight-year-old and the 13-year-old don't bail out when they shouldn't, but this voice hits me, just enjoy the ride. 
And see, this is what we do, isn't it? We, we get so fixed and focused on the difficulty. Not that we shouldn't pay attention, but we miss the ride. We get so focused on the details. We miss the present moment and the awe and the wonder of it. Enlarge your view heading into 2019. Those of you that are raising children, time flies. And look, I know it's a big deal because Claire and I have, have done it, and now we're grandparents trying to help with this. Time does fly, and I know getting lunch in a, lunch, in a backpack and, and homework done and getting somebody out the door on time, is a, is a, that's a big responsibility. But do not miss the fact that the amazing goodness of raising your children Don't miss all of the gifts that are here for you in the presence, in the midst of the stress of your life. I think that's one of the reasons why grandparenting is such a pleasure is because a lot of those things are not your responsibility, so you can be more present to just what is. So I would encourage all of us as parents, you know, if I could do anything over as a parent, I just, and I think I was pretty present, I just wish I would have been more present more present to the reality of the fact that stresses come and go. If you're building a marriage, take some time. Yesterday, Claire's birthday, I wrote this thing on Facebook, and one of the things Claire and I said would say early after we got married and while we were dating is uh, we we would sing that song to each other. I knew it as Chicago. Apparently, it was written before that, but, you know, I love you more today than yesterday and not as much as tomorrow. And one of my friends, one of our friends, like, just chimed in and said, yeah, those of you that are too young, you don't know what the heck he's talking about. Anyway, so I went to that song, and I just, I probably listened to it ten times yesterday. The goodness of being married to Claire. In the midst of trying to build your marriage and trying to pay your bills and trying to do your careers and trying to make ends meet and trying to do all of, keep the cars on the road, be present. Enjoy the ride. Enlarge your view. You, get, you were given a piece of paper when you came in. If you could just take a little hole out of that. Just cut a little hole, just pinch a little hole out of it. And I just want you to look, look at anything in the room through that hole. Just get fixed on that. And I want you to take, after you've done that and you look through that hole, I want you to take that sheet of paper down and I want you to look around. And I want you to think about your life And listen, it's important that we live lives that are focused, no doubt about it. But there's nothing wrong with when you take the paper down and you can see it all, you're still seeing that thing you see through the hole. You can still get that done. But there's so much more for us. 2019 is an invitation for us to notice and to enjoy the ride. Your life and my life, they're big lives. Matthew 6, 22 and 23, Jesus said this, and I'll leave you with this. The eye is the lamp of the body. 
So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. Then the light in you is darkness. How great is the darkness. So, Lord, even now we pray that you'd help us have a trained view, 2019. Help us practice viewing things the way that you view them. Help us to cultivate our view. Help us to live lives of gratitude that our vision would be full of the goodness. We would look for places of gratitude and provision in our lives, and we would be grateful for them. Let that grow in us, we pray. And God, most of all, I pray for all of us that we would enlarge our view, that we would enjoy this ride that we're on with all of its bumps and all of its nicks and bruises that happen. Gosh, what a great, great experience you've given each one of us to be on this earth. Help us to be present to our lives. Let 2019 be the most magnificent year all of us have ever experienced. And let it begin in this moment. Amen. Amen. Can we stand? Let's just sing the chorus of Step by Step one more time, once before we walk out the door. Remembering wherever we are, whether we're on the run or in a wine press, step by step, we're with God. Oh, God. Thanking you, God, that you are with us always. Amen. Have a wonderful week, everybody.